this is John Biney. You're listening to TV Confidential. Blondie! But Robert, with a reminder that we'll play part two of our conversation with Kevin Spiritus later on in this hour. We hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Greg Ebar is with us for another look at recently released DVD and streaming titles that we think you'll find of interest. Greg, of course, is a two-time Grammy-nominated and multiple Addy Award-winning writer for television, animation, advertising, and publishing for Disney, Warner Brothers, and Universal. He is also co-author, along with Tim Hollis, of Mouse Tracks, the story of Walt Disney Records. You can enjoy Greg's animation spin column twice a month at cartoonresearch.com. For more information about Greg, go to gregairbar.com. Greg, what do you have for us tonight? We're looking at the Blondie series. This is the little-known television show that was based on... With Arthur Lake. This is the great Arthur Lake, the wonderful Arthur Lake, who, unlike many actors who feel typecast by playing a character, he embraced it, loved it, loved going in public and talking about it, and played Dagwood Bumstead almost his entire life. On, on movies, on radio, and also on television. This is the 1957 television One Season Wonder uh, in which he played Dagwood, and Blondie was played by none other than Mrs. Brown from My Favorite Martian, the lovely Pamela Britton. That's right. Pamela Britton was on My Favorite Martian. Penny Singleton, I think, played her in the 40s. Yep, Penny Singleton did. Uh, Penny Singleton, who was also the voice of Jane Jetson. What happened was the comic strip was considered, and today many also consider, along with Peanuts, Blondie to be the most popular comic strip of all time. And it's still around. Chick Young created it, and his son, Dean, took it over and worked with another writer who is related, I don't remember his first name, Raymond is his last name, he's related to Alex Raymond, who did um, Flash Gordon. The two of them worked on it for years. I don't know if they're still doing it, but Blondie's still alive and well and in the comics. Um, Because the the family situation and the everyday frustrations and things never really go out of style. So the Blondie, it was the original sitcom. The original family situation comedy, and it just it just hit. And in 1938, Columbia uh, put together the very first Blondie movie, uh, which was called Blondie. And Arthur Lake, who had who he was born into show business uh, with a family that was in vaudeville and in circuses and things like that. And so he had a natural flair for slapstick and comedy and had done some shorts and things like that. Uh, he was cast as Dagwood's, Dagwood, and he was just perfect. And then you had Penny Singleton. And the reason she was cast, uh, there was actually another actress first cast, but she was cast because she could get mad at Dagwood and she could yell at him, but she, she to do it in a way that was endearing and not harsh. And she had that wonderful voice and that wonderful manner around her. It never seemed too hard on him. I mean, she got furious at him. In fact, we used to laugh like in every other movie she was divorcing it. You know, <laughs> divorcing your father, you know. And then there was those wonderful moments where she'd be furious and then they'd show footage of 
you know, tanks and explosions and bombs going off. And it, they were very funny movies. And Dagwood would get into extraordinarily ridiculous misunderstanding problems for about 75 minutes. And then at the end of the movie, and Blondie would be furious and jealous or whatever, or she would get into a similar situation and he'd be jealous and whatever. And then in the last seven minutes, everybody would enter a room as if it was a mystery. You know, the same thing with a, with a Thin Man mystery. Everyone would enter the room. They'd all discuss it and say, well, that's, so that's why you were, that's just a client, Dagwood. It's not a girlfriend, you know, and then everything would be fine. Then the dog would go woof, woof, and it would be over, you know. But, but you just loved them. You just loved these movies. And there were 28 of them. And when you think about it and do the math, if you divided those movies, you'd have a long-running television situation comedy right there. Because 28 B-movies, you know, the B-movies were considered the low budgets that ran uh, in a program with the A-movies. These were extremely popular. And Arthur Lake especially loved appearing uh, with Daisy, the dog, uh, at, at uh, theaters for giveaways and things like that. He was very popular. And then uh, a year after the first movie, it went on radio. And it was also the same cast for quite a while. Uh, after a few years, uh, Penny Singleton um, took a maternity leave. And there were several actresses that filled in. Uh, and the last one, and the one that stayed with it the longest after, was someone who I believe was on your show, Anne Rutherford. She played Blondie? You play Blondie on radio. Oh, on radio. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, she had a long, she had, yeah, uh, Ann Rutherford had a long, long, long career in radio, even before Gone with the Wind. And, you know, you can't tell the difference. She sounds very much like Penny Singleton. They had her do that. And so, and Hanley Stafford, who was Baby Snook's daddy, played uh, Mr. Dithers uh, through the entire run for a very, very long time. So while the radio show was on, you had the movies running. From 1938 to 1950. That's an enormous, through the entire World War II. um, And then you had stories within the movies and on the radio show about the war effort and uh, volunteering and things like that. So that tied it. People were just attached to these people. They were very real to them. So when the show went off, uh, when the movie stopped, shortly after that, the radio series went off. Uh, they decided to revive it a few times, and when it finally got on television, the Hal Roach Studio, which a lot of people may not remember, the Hal Roach Studio is well known for the, the 30s and early 40s for making the, the classic comedies like Laurel and Hardy and Our Gang and Charlie Chase and that sort of thing. But Hal Roach Jr. kept the studio going, and they filmed many of many classic comedies at their studio, including The Life of Riley and... Um, and River McGee and Molly, I believe, and shows like that. And one of them was Blondie. And what's interesting is they didn't use a studio audience. What they did was they ran the film kind of like what they did for Archie Bunker's Place. They ran the film for a a studio audience after the fact. So there's this odd echo uh, in the soundtrack because you're, you're hearing, you know, they'll be outside and there's still an echo. That's because you're hearing the studio sound and the audience laughing at it. Um, there's a lot of that library music background. It's very much a typical 50s TV show. It has very much the 
the expected kinds of stories Dagwood has seen with this with this woman who is she and why and turns out everything is fine. There's there's Blondie's double. There's a woman who is singing in a nightclub who looks exactly like Blondie and yet she doesn't know them and how how could that be and how could she be behaving in such a way? But that that was a great chance to hear what a terrific singer Pamela Britton was because Pamela Britton was in MGM movies and had quite a career before My Favorite Martian. I mean, a lot of people don't realize she was in like Anchors Away with Frank Sinatra and Gene Kelly and lots of other movies. So that was a nice showcase for her. And the other nice thing about this show is that it gives the Dithers a little bit more to do, especially Mrs. Dithers. Besides being, besides having Dagwood run into him. Well, oh yeah, and annoy and annoy him and get fired, either get fired like Darren. Yeah, he was fired all the time, and he was made a vice president all the time. Yeah. pretty much the same thing. Dagwood was the prototype for Darren Stevens, as well as they say, even though it wasn't said much at the time, the Jetsons. Yeah, they, they say that's a bit of a, of a thing. Um, there's discussions of that, but uh, Mrs. Dithers figures much more into the TV series than in the movies, and it's played by the great Elvia Allman. Who, uh, who who was on that candy that candy machine? Speed it up a little, you know. She's she's a, a fixture. If I remember cor- if I remember correctly, she was one of the many players. Um, uh, one of the man- many players who performed on all the shows produced by CBS Radio in the uh, oh, yeah. in the forties oh, and fifties. Yeah. Her her and another person, and I, I get them confused sometimes. Anne Seymour. Another really good actress. Really good actress. Yeah. There are three who are kind of in the same mode. Uh, it's like if you couldn't get her, you get another. Yeah. Uh, Charity Grace was very similar. Uh, and also um, Maudie Prickett was kind of similar as yeah. well. El- Elvia Allman, she did a number of Perry Masons. And the reason why I, rem- I-, I make the connection between her and CBS is Arthur Marks and the people who produce. Perry Mason, they made a point whenever possible to hire a lot of the radio actors as suspects or various guest characters on Perry Mason because they knew they were good actors and they could do a lot of and they could play a lot of different characters. They were probably really fast uh, on their feet. Too. Yeah. You know, yeah. Hand them a script and they could just go with it. Yeah. So it was, and they're just, yeah, I mean, they're just so, their voices are just so good. Mm-hmm. They can just turn, the, they can just pick up a, a word and just get around it so well that, that it's, it's, that's the nice thing about these classic shows. Like you can say what you want about the plots. They're not exactly Bruce. Dagwood Bumstead does not have a character arc. <laughs> no, his, he does his, not. His, his, the, the extent of his character arc is run into Mr. Dithers and make the biggest heaping hero sandwich he could possibly make only to have Daisy steal it. Yeah, and he makes a gigantic one on the series. And his other skill is that he can he has sort of an adding machine in his head. He can add up, he's, I guess like a savant, he can add up numbers inexplicably easily. Because in one episode, the most dated episode, Blondie gets his job. She go, He gets fired. She forces him to ask for a raise, so he gets fired. She goes in to intercede for him, and she gets hired. And but a woman's place is in the home, and all that kind of you know. There's always these early sitcoms where uh, the woman really shouldn't be working. It's just so wrong, 
And, uh, you know, I, I know that's not going to thrill people to see that, but it's still, it, it is, it was it for, of the era. It was very of the era. This one isn't as quite as difficult to look at now as some others where the woman comes to her senses at the end. In this case, it was that Blondie really wasn't, uh, she didn't have a head for figures like, like, uh, Dagwood does. It wasn't, it wasn't the job for her. And Dithers hired her because basically he just liked her gumption. I mean, he hired her for a really superficial reason. So, and then she starts. She he starts liked her gumption, and I'll bet he liked her gams. Well, he didn't know. Uh, Dithers <laughs> wasn't a. I don't. I'm I'm saying a tug in cheek because in the comic strip, Blondie is known for her perfect gams. Greg Arabar is with us as we take a look at Blondie, the complete television series from 1957 starring Arthur Lake and Pamela Britton. Blondie, the complete television series from 1957 is available for streaming on demand on Amazon Prime. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Well, you know, originally Blondie was a flapper and she wasn't good enough for Dagwood because he came from a high society family and they didn't accept her. And as I recall, that was kind of why he was in the the position he was in, because he was sort of this pampered, wealthy guy, and he had to make his way into the world because he was not part of that. You know, she she and she became a domestic mom and evolved into that character. But it originally was that she was like, um, you know, hey, buddy, let's let's uh, let's Rudy Toot Toot, let's Charleston. You know, that she was a um, was a completely different kind of character because that was what Chick Young was doing was these sort of what they called I don't know if they called them good girl comics. I and mean, that might not be a, a an accurate term because those are a little bit more a little bit more cheesy. But those are the kind of comics he did about beautiful young comedic females, and so Blondie came out of that. And so she wasn't domesticated yet, but then their romance and their marriage evolved into the domestic situation. But originally, yeah, she was this irresponsible flapper who his family just didn't want to accept. So, so that, it's sort of an inverse bewitched. Yeah. All of that was never really referred to ever again. Oh, the other thing about the series that the movies don't have, except in one, I think, is it has the neighbors. It has the, uh, the Woodleys. You see a lot in the comics. Yeah, Herb Woodley is played by the great Gildersleeve, <laughs> <laughs> um, the wonderful Hal Perry, um, and you know any place he is, it, you're going to get ten extra points. You know, it's just nice. It's nice he's in anything. I mean, I love Willard Waterman too. I mean, because he's pretty much the same. But Willard Waterman, out of respect to Hal Perry, never goes. <laughs> well, Hal, Hal Perry, if I remember correctly, originated Gildersleeve on radio. Yes, and the story, the story I, the way I heard it, was that um, uh, Hal Perry didn't leave the show. They say he left because he tired of the character. But the, what I what I heard really was that when there was this big CBS purge and a lot of stars were. Uh, lured to CBS by Bill Paley um, because they got a big, I guess, a big tax bonus and they got a lot of money and all. They were all leaving NBC. Al Perry left NBC or his agent advised him to leave NBC. But what they didn't realize was that Kraft and Parquet, who was his sponsor, owned the rights to the Gildersleeve character. So he was high and dry because he couldn't take the character with him. 
So suddenly, they still had a hit show, because Gildersleeve was a hugely successful show. Another early sitcom, you know. And they, they had to replace him. So they replaced him with Willard Waterman, who sounds virtually identical, except Waterman and he were friends. So out of respect, he never went, ever. <laughs> and so what happened was he had to have a show. So they created a show called uh, Honest Harold, which was almost the identical show with some of the same actors. But the show never caught on. Yeah. And uh, he, he sort of drifted from various movie roles and things like that, but never being... And I, uh, he played him in movies, but I don't know if that was at the same time. And there was a television show as well, and I think Waterman may have even played him in the television show. Waterman played him in the television show, and the television yeah. show, I think, only went a couple of seasons. Yeah, and the television show wasn't bad, actually. It was, you know, sometimes they didn't survive the transition, but yeah. the te television show wasn't bad. That was probably made at Hal Roach as well. But Hal Perry's appearance in something was always delightful. Uh, and he, uh, one of the last things he did was a voice for Rankin Bass in Rudolph's Shiny New Year. He was Big Ben, the giant whale with the big clock in his tail. Is that, I'm going to help you, Rudolph. You know. is, is, that, is, is that how he was billed? He was... Well, he was Hal Perry. No, 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 no. Is, is that the complete name as oh, how no, he was, he was built? Just, he was just Big Ben. Okay, I see. That would be very cumbersome in the credits. <laughs> no, it's not like that movie, The House That Had a Clock Inside Its Walls. Yeah. That, that's a funny name for a movie, and that's a, almost the, the title. It's like, gee, that's a catchy title. Yes. <laughs> so, Blondie, the complete series from 1957. This is a also want to mention too that uh, we talked earlier about uh, the another time about the Flintstones. Alan Reed is in a wonderful episode. So is William Shallert, Fritz Fell, a lot of other character actors. It is available in entirety. There are no bonus features, but it looks beautiful uh, and pristine, and it is available from Classic Flicks. Blondie, the complete 1957 television series, available on DVD through Classic. Flix, F-L-I-X, Classic Flix. You can also find Blondie, the complete series from 1957, available for streaming on demand on Amazon Prime. You can read Greg Airbar twice a month at cartoonresearch.com. Kevin Spiritus will join us when we come back on TV Confidential. One more item if you love Cher or know someone who loves Cher. Our friends at Time Life have just released a brand new collection of highlights from Cher's inimitable career that is now available at retail for the very first time. That will be the best to share, the best to share, five DVD collection packed with unforgettable music, classic comedy, and fabulous outfits. The best to share, now available at retail for the very first time from our friends at Time Life. This five DVD collection includes 10 episodes of Cher's solo variety series from 1975, featuring such guest stars as Elton John, Ray Charles, Raquel Welch, and the Muppets, plus vintage interviews of Cher, circa 1975, on The Dick Cavett Show, and Dinah, and brand new exclusive bonus interviews with Cher, Lily Tomlin, designer Bob Mackey, and producer George Schlatter. That's the best to share, the best to share, five DVD collection, the best to share, now available at retail for the very first time from our friends at Time Life. 
be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.